Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. For this week's episode, we're going to share a preview of our Predictions 2019 online event. Hosts Victor Milligan and Carrie Johnson discuss the major dynamics that will impact firms this year with analysts Keith Johnston, Matt Garini, Michelle Goetz, J.P. Gounder, and Forrester CEO, George Colony. Let's take a listen. Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Carrie Johnson. Welcome to Forrester's 2019 Prediction Series. So in 2018, leaders put forth bold, large, complex, and sometimes alien strategies to adapt to external forces in the market. Unfortunately, many of those efforts were unsuccessful against albeit very ambitious goals. Looking ahead, 2019 will be a year in which transformation goes pragmatic and strategic ambitions give way to more surgical efforts that can help put points on the board. But this is a cautionary tale. Some firms will convert pragmatism to foundation building, setting themselves up for success in 2020 and beyond. Others will not. They'll begin decelerating major change efforts and actually begin the slow decline of their business. We've gathered some of our experts to talk about these and other factors shaping your business agenda in 2019. We hope you enjoy. I'm here with Matt and Keith to talk about CIO and CMO roles in 2019. We've made the call that this is the year that transformation goes pragmatic. What does that really mean for CIOs and CMOs? Uh, I think the big thing here is that there's more um, opportunity than ever before. But the fact of the matter is that uh, a lot of people aren't prepared to take advantage of that opportunity. And if you put the cart before the horse, you're going to run into a lot of problems. So we're trying to get people to really focus on those essential elements now and get them in place to help them run later. CMO? For the CMO, it's just it, there's a little bit of a back to basics. I mean, you know, technology has been commoditized a bit. You know, there's a lot of access to technology and capital um, and not a lot of differentiation in the customer experiences, marketing's flattening across the board, digital media's maturing, and in a lot of ways, this is gonna be back to the basics. Uh, you know, brand may make a comeback. Do you think that there's risk here for CIOs and CMOs if you say, okay, they're gonna go back to brand a little bit, right? We're gonna make sure we fix the foundation. That's not incredibly sexy, right? And a lot of firms have come out swinging with big bang transformation, might CEOs and even boards say, yeah, that work is interesting, but you didn't do anything big this year? Absolutely a risk. Um, you know, you've got to balance that risk against, do you go with what the board directs you to and then you don't deliver on that as well? So um, you always have parallel paths um, or p parallel actions that you're taking and you really need to think through how do you manage that? And I think being able to get the speed, get that customer focus, that's gonna be a big part of it. And then you've got innovation coming on, but it's just that, you know, make sure you're doing it at the right point in time. Right. I think the real risk is actually finding the right balance. Uh, we're moving, last year we talked about, uh, you know, grow or go. Know, to be more provocative. Well, the emphasis on growth was that idea of disruptive growth because now they're being measured from quarter to quarter. Yet they're also being asked to put these big transformation projects into play and they take time. And so finding the balance between growing from quarter to quarter and getting these large implementation initiatives, collaborating with your CIO to be able to get all the pipes working together so you can access your data and use it, finding that balance is going to be the biggest risk. And you, know, you, you may have a reversal in tenure that ha happened to be improving for the CMO, 
just because there may not be a lot of people that can actually prioritize in these times. We've talked in other conversations too about that role of collaborator, which across, you know, across the executives, bringing these people together, I presume that means that not everybody has that skill, mm -hmm. right? Or they just don't have the, the cloud on the exec team to do that. Do we see that as a risk or a creative, a creative turnover? Maybe? I mean, we look at more than half of CIOs being more in that operator bucket. Yeah. And when you're in that operator bucket, it's hard to be a valued member. I mean, it's important. You're doing important things, but you're not creating business of value the way a CMO or a head of sales or head of product. So um, the ones we see really making the strides are those folks in the middle bucket, you know, the change leaders or even the ones that are biz true business partners. They're the ones driving real incremental value. And that's what you really need to aspire to. Yeah. I think this is the, this is the opportunity for the CMO with uh, technology maturing a bit. Um, mm. there's this, there's this window of opportunity for the CMO to take advantage of the skills that they inherently already have. Most of them are great communicators. Most of them are, are great at bringing, you know, internal and external resources together. You know, so now's the time, which is also, it's very important that, you know, you know, there'd be an emphasis on the brand, what it means for the customers, but what it means to the employees, and then take that baton and start running it around the C-suite and making sure that there's there's really agile collaborations going on instead of talking about they should happen. Actually use 2019 as a real impetus to make them happen. One other question that I've been thinking about in this scenario is the dark horses, right? So we're looking at CIOs and CMOs making investment in some foundational elements. What about the companies that have been doing that that nobody knows about? Might we hear from them? soon as the disruptors since they've been quietly working on some of these big pieces that just haven't been as a big bang a situation as nike or ge right other brands that are in the zeitgeist more i, I just think that disruption is going to be continuing yeah it's, it's acceleration um when you look at the number of startups out there you know right now number of unicorns there's like 290 companies valued at greater than a billion dollars they're mostly in the U.S., but there's a lot in China. So they're all parts of the globe. They're growing fast. They're challenging business assumptions. They're challenging business models. And even if they don't succeed, they're going to provide talent. They're going to provide technology right. and ideas to those other companies, whether they're a leader or a laggard. So if you're not staying ahead of the game, someone's going to go right past you. Right. Yeah, I mean, for, for brands, for the CMO, I mean, disruption uh, has been emphasized on technology. Disruption, you know, can be a lot of things. Um, for Nike, you mentioned Nike. I mean, disruption for them, a heralded brand that's actually acquired a lot of equity over the years, um, coming out with a provocative message that activates the societal and social tensions that are out there, tapping in the culture, like, that's disruption. They don't have to worry about being technology enabled. In many ways, they've already been doing that with Nike Plus, and now they've moving on, and now they're back to the basics and their brand. And, you know, creating a better shoe may not move the needle as fast as actually just, you know, uh, you know putting a message out into the market that, you know, that they mean something. For other brands that you're talking about, the ones that we always quote, like the, you know, the Airbnbs and the Ubers and, uh, you know, all these uh, Netflix, all the digital, you know, native, you know, companies that are growing. I mean, you see them disrupting. You see them disrupting the stock market in unfathomable ways. You see them disrupting our perception of how brands should be consumed in different ways. Thanks, guys. Great conversation. Looking forward to seeing what 2019 brings. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. I can't wait.
So now we're going to talk about AI and automation. I'm joined by my guests, Michelle Getz and JP Gounder. Welcome both of you. Thank you. So this is a hot topic, a lot of hype. Where are we in the maturation of AI and automation? So I think AI is rising right now. There's certainly a lot of interest. There's companies trying it out. There's a lot of pilots and POCs, some small production pieces. Um, but a lot of it is really just getting started on analytics. But where you see um, many of the uh, applications of this in companies is really starting to come out of the automation category and, and where some of those benefits are. Where we are starting to see real business outcomes from organizations is in areas like RPA, robotic process automation, which has become extremely hot. And our, our colleague Craig LeClaire has covered this brilliantly. It is part of a movement to automate rote repetitive tasks where possible so that we, the, the workers, the human workers, can spend more time on strategic tasks. Now, in that revolution of automation, we also see the seeds of some of what's going to happen in AI. Um, we see connections happening. We see APIs being taken advantage of. And in some narrow focused areas, we're seeing um, real value being created. How is AI preparing itself to handle risk? Because AI in its final incarnation is sort of high risk, high reward with a focus on the reward part. But let's talk about the risk part now. How is AI prepping for being consequential in the enterprise? Well, if you can break down business processes and automated processes, it means you're now starting to look more holistically at your business activities and your business behaviors and your customer behaviors. And it's that understanding and pattern recognition that starts to open up your ability to see the digital twin of your business. And that's really where AI strength comes from. The machine learning is doing this pattern analysis. It's creating simulations that help you determine where you wanna go, how to redesign a process, create new products, or create new experiences and engagement with your customers. At the same time that it's helping you strategically to see your business, it's providing you the foundation to change the way that you operate, the way your business runs. And then lastly, that same model, that same AI expression is allowing you to kind of better manage and oversee what's happening so that if things are going off the rails and biases are introduced, you can tackle that quickly and de-risk that aspect. But at the same time, you can see where the benefits are coming from and where other types of opportunities might come into play that you couldn't see before because you didn't see a more holistic perspective of your business. So that starting point of understanding your business more intimately gives you a launching point to see your business holistically. So this deep operational knowledge of my operations or how, how customers engage me, and AI gets placed into that context. So if, if there's a fork in the road, how much is AI going to simply improve what is versus create new what was not? There's a lot more opportunity to create new, but today we still need to understand the fundamentals of the basics, the basics of the way that we look at data, the basics of changing how we approach and utilize analytics and algorithms. Um, and also the way that we see and understand our businesses. So today we're trying to primarily replace old and inefficient processes. When do you see automation changing the game for the way work is done or the way employees even exist? Well, we will start to see some of the seeds of that already, right? Um, give an example. If you think about RPA, sometimes you have legacy systems that are disconnected 
and that are very hard to tie together or very expensive. You can create some magic by actually tying those systems together. Another area of automation that's really interesting is physical robotics. And we're seeing companies like Walmart use scanners, robots that go up and down the aisles and they look for, is there a misprice? Is there a missing uh, skew of product? When do I need to restock? Um, that can really drive significant changes in customer experience as well. Finally, I talked recently to a company that uh, did some physical robotics and they were, they were uh, taking those traditional dangerous industrial robots and allowing them to work side by side with humans. So there's a lot of interesting stuff that's going on that's driving value in that space as well. So we're in a year of pragmatism. Give me a sense of what people should think about doing and what people should think about avoiding. Well, I think the first thing is stop testing the algorithm and what AI is and start testing where you think it can provide value to your organization. I think there's been such a high degree of cynicism in AI in general that it has lent itself to very small thinking about what it could actually do to change your company. So the pragmatic aspect is, you know, what would happen if I reimagined a business process I haven't looked at in a long time? What would happen if I, you know, changed the way that I produced a new product? And what would happen if I reimagined the experience that I provide a customer? I think there's a the tendency to equate pragmatic with driving cost out of the business. While that can be the case, we also need to embrace pragmatism that drives top line revenue, right? right? And so what we're going to see, I think, in 2019 is a bit of both. We can clean up our shared services uh, operations, our IT operations using automation, but we have lots of opportunity to drive new business models, make new money, uh, and solve new customer problems. One of those is something that we call, uh, in an upcoming report, the revenge of the atoms, by which we mean, traditionally, we've had leaders who are either really good in digital or really good in the world of operations and of actually you know, manufacturing and that sort of thing. These two things are not always wedded together. They cre it creates these silos. And by bringing them together and using automation technology, we think that people are gonna be, organizations at the leading edge will be able to both rationalize, but also drive business value. Thank you for joining us. Hi, I'm here with George Colony, the CEO of Forrester, to talk about our sense of what's happening in 2019. Welcome, George. Great to be here. George, what is your sense of where we are right now? It is a time where many companies may be giving up, uh, especially around uh, in areas like uh, customer experience. It may be a time where some companies are looking at the investment they're having to make in technology and they're saying, is this worth it? So it is a time where uh, it's not a time for the faint of heart. It is a time for them to keep moving forward. Do not be discouraged at this point. It's easy for that to happen. But it's the time for them to keep moving forward, but to definitely begin to increase their investment as we move into 2019, even if there may be an economic downturn. So in our 2019 predictions, what we had said was that some of the larger ambitions that companies had in 2017, 18 where sort of, they're sort of pushed aside and it's much more pragmatic time where people are looking at surgical investments to gain traction, to build foundation and to build momentum. So leaders today, what matters in the way they make decisions? I mean, you mentioned that invest now, don't back away, don't decelerate. But as they look and guide their companies through these waters, what matters most in their decisions over the next, let's say, two quarters? Well, I think that the majority of companies 
especially if there's an economic downturn, may slow down these investments. What I, my belief is that if you are a good company, very good company, or great company, you will be in the minority, and you'll continue to move forward and not slow down uh, your capital investment, and also uh, the way you're changing the business to become oriented to, to, to software. So if you're making decisions, if you're the CEO, if you're at the board level, you got to keep your foot right on that on the gas pedal when it when it comes to technology. Your decisions should be governed by, well, of course, first first and foremost, what is best for our customers, but then secondly, what is driving us to become a more technology centric corporation. What what should we look for in 2019 in terms of what's the tell in 2019 of where companies will go, whether or not we do sort of encounter a an economic downturn or some sort of slowdown. Let's leave economic downturn out of it for a second because we, uh, it has been a, a rough month in the stock market. I think that the the, the, the tell for companies is going to be um, really around around their customers. Are, are they are they are, are those customers uh, truly pleased with the performance of the company? Are they truly pleased with the company's offering? Is the experience uh, is the experience seen as a as a differentiated experience? And of course, at the, the the last element here is loyalty, right? Is the loyalty being engendered in those customers? Uh, so the the tell will really be about the the customer centricity of companies in 2019. Um, it's easy to put the word customer in your annual report letter if you're a CEO. Hard but, to do, right? But but the fact is, do you believe it or do you not believe it? Is it window dressing or is it not window dressing? Uh, for sure, we've done a number of studies where we've looked at the you know those big um, placards that companies put in their comp- uh, put in the in their in their uh, dining rooms and in the in the halls that say you know what they stand for, and as we look at companies who are great at C- uh, customer experience, the ones that are ba- that are bad at customer experience, we actually find that the difference between those placards is there is no difference between those placards. Yeah. They all say the word customer on them. The qu- the fact is, do they truly believe or not? And that will be the tell. Right. So, what excites you about what's next in two thousand nineteen? As, as I look out, I see that the next phase in customer experience is going to be centered around what I call real-time customer experience. And what that means is that companies must have the ability to sense experience in real time, how's the customer feeling right now, and then to be able to improve that customer's experience in real time. The stakes are going to be so high for, com- for companies that they must have the ability to actually sense and improve experience in real time. And that is, where, that is the next frontier. That's great. Several years ago, we called the age of the customer. And since then, we've seen the effects of it. We've seen big opportunities and existential threats. Is there a nexus or something else that's coming on the horizon that will influence 2019 and beyond? What I would say is that age of the customer is a, is a 15 to 20 year period that we're in. Uh, and, and by the way, this is, we've already seen, this is a tumultuous period, yep. age of the customer. This is, this is a dangerous period. Uh, you look at Brexit. Look at, look at uh, Donald Trump. Um, both were not, were not favored by the, uh, by the establishment. The establishment didn't want either of those to happen. But the people had a different idea, in this case, the voters. Um, so we are just getting started in the age of the customer. And if you want to look further out, uh, let's say 10 years, I think the age of robotics is the next place we're going, but that's uh, that, that's quite a distance down the road here. Right. In the near term, your comment is that really it's about conviction and execution. 
It's not just believing the customers, but doing something about it, doing something truly that might be truly disruptive internally, but but doing that work because it's necessary. Yes, I mean, it, it is it is time to double down on the customer. It's not a time to back off of the customer, and it's definitely not a time to back off of technology and, and this voyage that you're on to become a software company. So George, to that, to that end, if you're whispering to boards, to the CEOs, what would you whisper to them as, as advice? Um, I would say that even if you see discouraging signals, even if you, you, ha- you have questions about the return on the investments you've made, even if you look at a, some failed projects, um, even if you look at some, some areas where you're being beaten by Amazon or beaten by, by other newcom- quotation marks newcomers, you must continue to have a belief and a conviction that the only way you're going to truly serve the customer in the future is going to be through terrific, fantastic technology, what we call business technology, differentiated from back office technology. But the general vector that you're on, do not lose conviction in that vector. There is no other way. Thank you, George, for your time. You're welcome. If you'd like to hear the full Predictions 2019 online event, visit 4.com slash predictions event. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash predictions event. Thanks for listening.